good to be back with you as we study through the the book of Luke. My name is Gregory Baines, and I am blessed uh, to bring today's lesson in Luke chapter 18. Go ahead and grab your Bible if you don't have it already and turn to Luke 18. Um, As you're turning there, I'll go ahead and open us with a word of prayer. Father, thank you that we can gather around your word once again, even virtually here. Um, I pray that you would guide our study this morning or uh, whatever time we are listening to this. And um, Lord, I confess that I have no wisdom and nothing um, to say that is uh, good apart from you. So would you give me grace um, as we look at your scripture and would you speak um, to us through your word as we read it together in Jesus' name, amen. Now we're gonna look at two parables this morning Jesus gave with instruction on prayer. And um, parables often are kind of cryptic in nature and difficult to understand. Um, But sometimes uh, the scripture gives us a clear understanding of the purpose of the parable and a clear application of it. And Luke um, does certainly here in Luke chapter 18. So I'm going to read Luke 18, 1 through 17, and then we're going to go back and break it down into smaller pieces and talk through... um, what this means for us and and what this means and how it should inform our prayer life. Um, So let's read Luke chapter 18, verses 1 through 17. Now, he was telling them a parable to show that at all times they ought to pray and not to lose heart, saying, In a certain city there was a judge who did not fear God and did not respect man. There was a widow in that city, and she kept coming to him, saying, Give me legal protection from my opponent." For a while he was unwilling, but afterward he said to himself, Even though I do not fear God nor respect man, yet, because this widow bothers me, I will give her legal protection. Otherwise, by continually coming, she will wear me out. And the Lord said, Hear what the unrighteous judge said. Now, will not God bring about justice for his elect who cry to him day and night? And will he delay long over them? I tell you that he will bring about justice for them quickly. However, when the Son of Man comes, will he find faith on the earth? And he also told this parable to some people who trusted in themselves that they were righteous and viewed others with contempt. Two men went up into the temple to pray, one a Pharisee and the other a tax collector. The Pharisee stood and was praying this to himself, God, I thank you that I am not like other people swindlers, unjust, adulterers, or even this tax collector. I fast twice a week. I pay tithes of all I get. But the tax collector, standing some distance away, was even unwilling to lift up his eyes to heaven, but was beating his breast, saying, God, be merciful to me, the sinner. I tell you, this man went to his house justified rather than the other, for everyone who exalts himself will be humbled but he who humbles himself will be exalted. And they were bringing even their babies to him so that he would touch them. But when the disciples saw it, they began rebuking them. But Jesus called for them, saying, Permit the children to come to me, and do not hinder them, for the kingdom of God belongs to such as these. Truly I say to you, whoever does not receive the kingdom of God like a child will not enter it at all. So let's flip back over to verse 1. 
Uh, we're going to look briefly at this first parable and then really focus on the second one here with the Pharisee and the tax collector. Um, but look here, verse 1 of chapter 18. Now, he was telling them a parable to show that at all times they ought to pray and not to lose heart. So immediately we're given the purpose of the parable for the hearers there. Um, we don't have to wonder and speculate, why did Jesus say this? We're, we're given it. Um, so this is very helpful in helping us understand and interpret Scripture accurately. Uh, so look here, verse 2, saying, In a certain city there was a judge who did not fear God and did not respect man. There was a widow in that city, and she kept coming to him, saying, Give me legal protection from my opponent. For a while he was unwilling, but afterward he said to himself, Even though I do not fear God nor respect man, yet because this widow bothers me, I will give her legal protection. Otherwise, by continually coming, she will wear me out. Now, a couple things to note here. One, uh, historically, the way Jewish law worked, um, most matters were handled by the elders of, of tribes and elders in the community. Um, and then if they had to go to court... There were always three judges, and they, they did not um, just decide one man you get to pick. So this was a Gentile judge um, that was obviously corrupt, and that was a common practice in Bible times here that um, this judge would uh, be bribed with a meal, you know, those kinds of things. And so um, this is the kind of judge in the parable that we're, we're dealing with, a corrupt uh, Gentile judge. Uh, th this woman, though, was, was, is the other character, and we see her persistence. Even though this judge was unrighteous and would not um, carry out his duty to fulfill the law without a bribe, um, she persistently came to him and begged him to be just. And, and um, Scripture says that he thought she will wear me out <laughs> in the parable. And um, a translation there um, is that she will give me a black eye. She will just beat me up. Um, if she keeps coming, if I don't give her justice, so I'll I'll give it to her. It's it's fine. Um, Jesus then contrasts this um, judge in the story with the a good father, um, the Lord, um, who says, "Hear what the unrighteous says." Uh, un hear what the unrighteous judge said. Jesus said in verse six. Now will not God bring about justice for His elect? God who is just and not unrighteous. If we come to Him and, and pray and and pursue um, the Lord's will um, and through prayer. He will answer, certainly, and delights to answer our prayers. So this is a, a clear teaching through this parable on the importance of persistence in prayer, and, and verse 1 gives us that um, clear overview there that we saw earlier. Now, as we get to verse 9, we're going to look at the, the Pharisee and the publican or the tax collector and uh, again, we have a verse here that gives us, here's the purpose of this parable. Um, so verse 9 says, And he, Jesus, also told this parable to some people who trusted in themselves that they were righteous and viewed others with contempt. So this is a teaching um, for those Jewish people who thought that they could earn righteousness through the law. Which certainly the Pharisees were among that group, but that was a commonly held belief in the day um, that they could earn God's favor through their works and they could keep the law perfectly. Um, scripture clearly teaches that's not the case as we are able to look now through the lens of, of, of grace in the New Testament and see um, it seems pretty obvious to us, but this was not an obvious thing to these people. So Jesus was giving this parable to teach this lesson. 
And in the parable, there are two characters that are contrasted here, the Pharisee and the tax collector. Now, the Pharisee is defined um, by his pride, by his um, piety, his religious devotion, not um, his um, desire to be seen by men as as pious um, and righteous and and good um, versus the tax collector who knows he is not righteous or good and just appeals to the mercy and grace of God. Uh, let's read verses 10 through 14 here. Well, we'll read 10 through 12, and then we'll read 13 and 14. 10 through 12 here. Two men went up into the temple to pray, one a Pharisee, the other a tax collector. The Pharisee stood and was praying this to himself, God, I thank you that I am not like other people, swindlers, unjust, adulterers, or even like this tax collector. I fast twice a week. I pay the tithes of all I get. This man was one who went above and beyond um, with his works, his fasting twice a week. Not only did he tithe on um, income and produce and everything that he received, he gave it a tithe on. Um, so he was very much working to earn um, some sort of righteousness and favor, and he wanted everyone to know it. Um, versus the tax collector, who in verse 13 was standing some distance away, wasn't even willing to lift up his eyes to heaven, but was beating his breast saying, God, be merciful to me, the sinner. And then Jesus says, I tell you, this man, speaking of the tax collector, went to his house justified rather than the other, for everyone who exalts himself will be humbled, but he who humbles himself will be exalted. Um, as I was reading this, I was uh, very much convicted in my heart, um, because I know that I have the heart of that Pharisee. I often desire um, to be seen by men uh, doing righteous deeds or deeds for God's kingdom. Um, I was reminded of a quote that I've heard before, uh, that everyone wants to be viewed as a servant, but not many desire to be treated like one. <laughs> Um, and that is so true in my life. I want people to see me of that, and that was convicting to me. So as, as we move forward with our lesson, just um, remember I am reminding myself of this truth as much as trying to um, challenge you with it. But uh, this is a, a picture of the heart that God desires and that God responds to in prayer. Um, scripture is clear all throughout that God does not um, tolerate or love the proud, but always responds to the humble. Um, one thing that separated David from King Saul was the way they responded when when they when their sin was called out. Saul, in defense, said it was the people's fault. Blamed others. I didn't sin. I w all these things. Um, David, when he is called out, responds in humility and says, "I have sinned against the Lord." Um, and it really lays it out in Psalm chapter 51. Let's turn there real, really quickly. We're going to read Psalm 51 and see this heart of humility that King David had, um, who was called a man after God's own heart. So Psalm 51 here says, Be gracious to me, O God, according to your loving kindness, according to the greatness of your compassion, blot out my transgressions. Wash me thoroughly from my iniquity and cleanse me from my sin, for I know my transgressions and my sin is ever before me. Against you, you only, I have sinned 
and done what is evil in your sight, so that you are justified when you speak, and blameless when you judge. Behold, I was brought forth in iniquity, and in sin my mother conceived me. Behold, you desire truth in the innermost being, and in the hidden part you will make me know wisdom. Purify me with hyssop, and I shall be clean. Wash me, and I shall be whiter than snow. Make me to hear joy and gladness. Let the bones which you have broken rejoice. Hide your face from my sins and blot out all my iniquities. Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a steadfast spirit within me. And do not cast me away from your presence, and do not take your Holy Spirit from me. Restore to me the joy of your salvation, and sustain me with a willing spirit. Then I will teach transgressors your ways, and sinners will be converted to you. Deliver me from blood guiltiness, O God, the God of my salvation." Then my tongue will joyfully sing of your righteousness, O Lord. Open my lips, that my mouth may declare your praise. For you do not delight in sacrifice, otherwise I would give it. You're not pleased with a burnt offering. The sacrifices of God are a broken spirit, a broken and contrite heart, O God, you will not despise. Um, So we see here David recognizes the, the nature of his sin, that it's not just something he has done once and messed up, but he was conceived and brought forth in sin. Um, he knows his heart, and he needs God to, to create in him a clean heart. Um, and this is where the tax collector is in our parable. Be merciful to me, O God, the sinner. And no, that's, that's not a typo, not just a sinner. He is the sinner. And that is a proper translation of the Greek there. It's a strong, I am the sinner, the one. <laughs> Um, so it, for us, as we think through who we are, uh, biblically, a proper understanding of who man is, we are the sinner. Uh, we are just like the tax collector, um, and King David understood and recognized that here in Psalm 51. He also um, gives here in verse 16 that, uh, a clear understanding of, of um, who God is, right? God does not need our sacrifices, our fasts, our tithes. Um, He desires our heart, and that's something the Pharisee missed in our uh, parable, but the tax collector understood. Um, This is not uh, something that we offer to God that makes us right with Him. It is just that we come broken and beg for His goodness, and He is a good God, a good, merciful Savior. Um, So, We see here in Psalm 51, David's proper understanding of that, that this tax collector also had in verse um, 13 and and 14. Now, I was also reminded as we looked at this of Jesus' teaching on prayer in Matthew chapter 6. Turn there, if you will, Matthew chapter 6, verse 5. Jesus gives clear instruction, and it's so different than... um, this the Pharisee in the parable uh, that it, it is um, very much the opposite of, of how he prays. So Matthew chapter six verse five says, "When you pray, you are not to be like the hypocrites, for they love to stand and pray in the synagogues and on the street corners, so that they may be seen by men. Truly, I say to you, they have their reward in full. But you, when you pray, go into your inner room, close your door, and pray to your Father who is in secret." And your father, who sees what is done in secret, will reward you. And when you are praying, do not use meaningless repetition as the Gentiles do, for they suppose that they will be heard for their many words. So do not be like them, for your father knows what you need before you ask him. Jesus clearly 
teaches um, that the majority of our prayer life should not be done uh, in public, but should take place um, in in secret. And we are not trying in our prayers to impress men. Uh, if we are, we have, have our reward, and, and God doesn't care to hear that prayer. Um, what he desires is that, that we humbly kneel before him in secret um, and ask what we need that he already knows so that he can graciously pour it out um, on our lives and give us blessing. And that is um, the heart that God responds to, not the hypocrite. God always hates hypocrisy. Uh, this is why James chapter 4 says that God resists the proud and gives grace to the humble. Um, and too often we are like the Pharisee. And so it's good for us to get these words um, from the scripture, which is meant to correct us and remind us of what is true and what is reality and that we are sinners in need always and are not righteous and cannot earn God's um, righteousness through our works. It is only Jesus that gives us any reason um, to, to come before the Father and present our petitions. And, and when we are his elect, when we have been um, redeemed he desires for us to come boldly and bring our our um, prayers before him, not proudly. I think sometimes we we think of prayer as we are saved, we can come and demand things of God, and that is just not the case. Um, any any biblical view um, of who God is clearly uh, helps us to understand that that cannot be true. <laughs> we must still come humbly, but but boldly because of Jesus, and and come to. Um, our Heavenly Father who knows our needs before we ask Him and, and who will give justice to those who come humbly before Him as He always has responded in Scripture and in life now uh, to those who humbly bow the knee before Him. And I think here, verse 15, back to Luke 18, um, in verses 15 through 17 is an exclamation point on, on this heart, as Jesus lays out the heart that God responds to and desires for his children to have, um, is, is the heart of faith like a child. And let's read verse 15 through 17. And they were bringing even their babies to him so that he would touch them. But when the disciples saw it, they began rebuking them. But Jesus called for them, saying, Permit the children to come to me, and do not hinder them, for the kingdom of God belongs to such as these. Truly I say to you, whoever does not receive the kingdom of God like a child will not enter it at all. This is the, again, the exclamation point on the what a humble, kingdom-minded, faith-filled heart looks like, um, like the faith of a child. And this is the amazing thing about the gospel is that children can understand and respond to it, um, and yet we can study it and, and pour over it our whole life. And uh, the depths of what God has done through Christ and his redemptive work, um, I, we just can't find the bottom <laughs> as we search for it. Um, so it's simple enough that a, a child can respond, um, but deep enough that, that we can study our whole lives and, and just scratch the surface of what God has done through Christ and, and his work of redemption. And um, what an amazing reminder for us as we try and, and pursue um, an understanding of the gospel uh, that it truly is simple, that we just need to trust Jesus and come to him um, humbly. And, and for you who, for those of you who have children, um, you understand 
that a, a child trusts in um, just a hundred percent. If they come to you and, and they trust you, they are all all the way there. Um, it's as we grow older that we become less and less trusting and um, of society, which is maybe a proper response as we see the sin around us. But when it comes to the Lord, um, as we think we know more, we tend to trust our own understanding instead of trusting in faith with Him. And um, Instead, we need to go to His Word and go to Him humbly in prayer and say, Lord, um, I trust you like a child. We have faith in Him because He is is good and always has been good, and He is great. He is sovereign and Lord um, and can, can do all things and is working all things for His glory and our good. So we see the heart in, in these 17 verses that God um, desires in prayer, one that we're persistent like the widow, that we just keep coming back to the Lord um, and recognize His goodness and that He will be just, and then too that we are, are humble and not hypocritical like the Pharisees and the people that Jesus was speaking to here. Um, God always responds in mercy and grace to the humble, but He hates hypocrisy and pride. So application for us today, based on this, this truth and verses, one is, is, is do you pray? Do you pray at all? Uh, do you pray in secret or do you just pray at meals? Um, one, pray. Go to the Father. Go to the just judge um, because you recognize your state as a sinner and you need the Lord. Um, two, do you, which is, leads us to application point two, do you have a proper view of God and yourself? And do you have that childlike faith that trusts the Lord um, that he is good and will do what is right? I want to close today with a um, prayer from a Puritan here in the collection of Puritan prayers called The Valley of Vision. Uh, this one is entitled Yet I Sin. It's a reminder for us um, that we need to, to be humble before the Lord. Um, it says, Eternal Father, thou art good beyond all thought, but I am vile, wretched, miserable, blind. My lips are ready to confess, but my heart is slow to feel, and my ways reluctant to amend. I bring my soul to thee. Break it, wound it, bend it, mold it. Unmask to me sin's deformity, that I may hate it abhor it and flee from it my faculties have been a weapon of revolt against thee as i rebel i have misused my strength and served the foul adversary of thy kingdom give me grace to bewail my incessant folly grant me to know that the way of transgressors is hard that evil paths are wretched paths that to depart from these is to lose all good I have seen the purity and beauty of thy perfect law, the happiness of those in whose heart it it reigns, the calm dignity of the walk to which it calls, yet daily I violate and contemn its precepts. Thy loving spirit strives within me and brings me scripture warnings, speaks in startling providences, allures by secret whispers, yet I choose devices and desires to my own hurt, impiously resent, grieve, and provoke him to abandon me. All these sins I mourn, lament, and for them cry pardon. Work in me more profound and abiding repentance. 
Give me the fullness of a godly grief that trembles and fears, yet ever trusts and loves, which is ever powerful and ever confident. Grant that through the tears of repentance I may see more clearly the brightness and glories of the saving cross. And Lord, that is our prayer this morning, that you would work in us a profound and abiding repentance. Give us a full godly grief over our sin. Will we hate it and abhor it? Um, Will we tremble and fear before you, a holy God, but trust and love you and your word more? Um, Will we clearly see the brightness and glories of the saving cross as we humble ourselves before you, a holy God? Thank you for good reminders uh, from your word that, that call us to repent and to humble ourselves before you. Thank you that you're a God who responds um, to us when we humbly um, ask for forgiveness and grace and mercy, and we ask um, that you would forgive us and cleanse us from all unrighteousness, Lord. Thank you that you are a good and loving Father. Please bless us this week. Help us to be more like Jesus. In his name, amen.